Welcome to Engaging Culture, a podcast presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. I'm Brian Kiley. On this episode, Pastor Lance Hahn and I will be discussing The Social Dilemma, a new Netflix documentary that raises all sorts of questions about the role that social media plays in our society. We'll offer our impressions of the strengths and weaknesses of the film, and we'll talk through some principles Christians can use to leverage the benefits of social media while avoiding some of its pitfalls. All of that and more on this episode of Engaging Culture. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 10 of the Engaging Culture Podcast. Brian Kiley coming to you from the studio here at Bridgeway Christian Church. And Pastor Lanton coming to us from a room with pillows in it. <laughs> totally. I am at home and I am in a side office, side room, guest room. I don't even know what to call it anymore. There you go. Okay. Well, uh, we are. I am excited for our conversation today. Uh Lance, this new film came out. Maybe, I don't know. It's been maybe it's been out for maybe a month now. The Social Dilemma from Netflix. It's created all sorts of. It's 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 ignited a bunch of different conversations. It's provoked a, a fair amount of controversy and some debate about a lot of stuff related to social media. And man, I, I just feel like there is so much from this film that we can talk about and that can be useful to us as we kind of navigate issues related to social media. But can, just to start us off, because uh, you've seen the film more recently than I have. And so it's fr- fresher in your mind. Can you j- just briefly give us a, the sense of what is the social dilemma all about and kind of a, a general synopsis of what uh, the documentary uh, has to say? Yeah, so it is a, um, a very professionally made. One of the things I, because I, I like a lot of film and stuff like that, I was really impressed by how they filmed it. So it's actually very professionally done. It's put together very well. It flows very well because sometimes documentaries can be a little bit choppy. And what it does is it brings together a bunch of bigwigs from the social media technology element or, or kind of era um, and that were all there at the beginning of this big boom of social media. So who was at the beginning of Google? Who was at the beginning of Facebook? Who was at the beginning of Twitter? Stuff like that. And they sit them down and they start talking about what has become of social media. It may have started under this premise, but it's now grown into something that is impacting the world. And they began to talk about the pros and cons of it. But in that, it was, this is very, it's very biased, right? It's a biased piece that leans towards the idea that these companies, these giant corporations that run our social media are doing so for profit. And in order to profit, they are searching and examining and tracking everything that we do so that they can gather a good database whereby they can make predictions and skew results about getting advertising sold. And the, and the one of the most brilliant premises of the movie is if you're not paying for the service, you are part of the payment for the service, right? It's that, it's that idea. And then yeah. it began to talk about the ideas of of what they track and how they track and how they manipulate. And at the same time, it shifts over into how is it impacting society and impacting election results? And, and it goes on and on and on. So that is the movie. And the reactions that came off of it is some people are saying, oh my gosh, I watched the movie and I wanted to immediately get off all social media. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know about you, Pastor Bryant. That was not at all my reaction to the film. Um, but maybe as some of these Uh, concepts are new to you, you may have that reaction. But since a lot of it was familiar to me, I didn't have that reaction at all. What about you? 
Yeah. No, I, uh, yeah, similar. I think that I, there wasn't a lot that I saw in the film that was new in the sense of, oh my gosh, I had no idea that's, that's happening. We'll, we'll talk later in the episode. I think you and I both understand everything we're doing is being tracked all the time. Like I just, right. I had, I have, I have accepted that reality. This notion of privacy and all of that is uh, like, that's cute. Like that just does not exist anymore. Right? right. So the idea that I've got big companies tracking my every movement and then uh, adjusting content that gets sent yes. my way based on uh, my behaviors, like that is not a new concept to me. And, and again, for our listeners, if that's a new concept to you, I, I realize that might be very jarring, but on some level, uh, it's just the truth. We just have to have to accept it. But, but I do think that the, I don't know, I've wrestled with for a long time with my own relationship with social media, both from the extent of it being a, just kind of the, the ideas that we are presented with when we engage in, in social media, and then also just the numbing effect that it has, that to the extent to which if I'm engaging in, if I'm staring at Facebook on my phone or Instagram or Twitter or whatever, that, that I'm not really contributing to the world in any meaningful way. I'm not engaging in meaningful relationships most of the time. It's it's taking me away from things that are more productive and beneficial. And I think some of the ways that these former tech executives really talked through, okay, like that's not an accident. Like that's kind of the whole point is to take you away uh, because of the fact that ultimately the product right now is your attention. And attention is a finite resource. If I'm giving my attention to you and to this conversation, I cannot simultaneously be watching television and looking at my phone. Subsequently, if I'm looking at my phone, all of a sudden I'm less engaged with what's going on. So the extent to which that is happening, the extent to which there are, um, I don't know if forces is too strong a word, but the extent to which there's just a lot invested in this idea of keeping our attention. And, and then I think what we're sacrificing when we give that much of our attention, that to me is a little bit more concerning, especially when I think about my own involvement with, with social media, just because of the fact that when I'm, again, engaging in social media, it's preventing a lot of other potentially more beneficial beneficial elements of, of life from really being as present as I would like them to be. So that, that just initially was some of my some of my takeaways, again, confirming a lot of what I already already kind of knew, giving me a little deeper understanding of, of, of some stuff I already knew. And then also just it caused me to reflect a little bit on, OK, what am I giving up? when I engage with social media so much. So, so how about you? You, you kind of summarized the film for us, but, and, and you said, you know, your, your takeaway was not, Hey, I need to go delete all my accounts right away. But what, what were some of your, what were some of your takeaways? Yeah. So one of the things that it set out at the beginning, and, and I apologize if this is a little bit of a, a recap again, but I, I do want to be very clear on this. Um, so they brought this guy out who was early on in Facebook. His name was Tim. And he said, when we sat down to figure out how are we going to design this brand new technology for people to interact with, he said, at that moment, he said, I was in charge of monetizing and I had to figure out, well, how are we going to do that? Is everybody going to pay to be on Facebook? How's it going to work? Because we're doing this really cool product. And he believed in it 100% and it was had a lot of great results. He yeah. said, I decided that in order to keep it free for the users, we chose the advertising method. Now, the yeah. minute you launch into it, instead of charging people, you're charging advertisers. This is where it got back down to that quote from Jaron, who he highlighted that. He said, if you're not paying for the product, you are the product. Now, yeah. here's the point. 
He said, it is not a matter of them selling your data because that's a big thing in, in today's world. Some companies are mining data and then they're selling it to other people. He said, they don't have a great benefit to sell your data. They need to keep right. that. So what are they selling? They're selling your attention. So his, yeah. his point was the goal is to suck you in and keep you there, right? It's not free yeah. to do everything they're doing. Somebody's paying for it. Their market is actually the consume, the, uh, the advertisers. The advertisers right. are paying them money for yeah. what? For your attention. So the advertisers want to change you. They want to change what you do, what you think. And so therefore what Facebook and Google and all these other companies are selling is they're selling what he said is certainty. That yeah. if you pay money as an advertiser, we can get you in front of the right people so you can sell the most product. Does that make sense? Right. Now, yeah. to do that, to sell certainty, you need to generate great predictions about where those people are going and head them off at the pass. To do that, you need lots of data. To do that, you need to track people. And that is where we get down into really the heart of why everything is tracked and what they're they're building prediction models the best model wins the most money so their point is they're going to keep tweaking things to figure out what uh tools what filters what videos what emotions grab you keep you there and then they can insert an ad and that is where most of the money is generated from so anyway i, I just wanted to highlight kind of the, the heart of that yeah. And I think it's important to point out, like, none of that is necessarily bad. Like that's, I, I think, you know, we're sitting here talking about, about these, these, uh, the, these points that the film brings up. And certainly the film is, is like you said at the beginning, it's like, this is not meant to be a neutral treatment of this issue. The, the filmmaker has an agenda and he's has a point he's trying to make. And he makes that point, I think very persuasively in a lot of ways. Uh, so it's meant to highlight some of the challenges of, of a lot of what's done on social media. But at the same time, um, we're broadcasting this live on Facebook. Clearly, we're not totally anti-social media. Uh, I, I personally, as I, you know, there was a time where I would work on Facebook ads for Bridgeway and we would do targeted advertising because you're looking for, okay, people of a similar age that so interest in these things. Like that's not necessarily a bad thing. And even like just as a consumer, if I'm gonna see ads, I would prefer them be for products I have at least a passing interest in as opposed to uh, them being random. So so I don't think that these these algorithms and all of this data collection and then tar and then then curating our experience based on that is necessarily a bad thing. Now, it does make me think twice before I search for things on Amazon. I'm like, well, do I want to be seeing ads for toasters for the next three weeks? I better not search for toasters, right? But yes. But 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 I think I, I just want to make it clear to, to our listeners, even at this point, that the point here is not to say social media as an entity no. is good or bad. There are right. benefits or challenges to it. Yes. Now, part of what we're going to talk about in this kind of next segment here, and I want to maybe you can start us off, uh, Pastor Lance, and we can go back and forth here a little bit, is is social media has has a lot of benefits. I think we're we're aware of of many yes. of those, but it also has some potential challenges, some things that are concern that ought to be concerning. I think for us as Christians, things that I personally find concerning and that you do as well. What are some of the social media challengers or the potential problems with social media that you see and that we just need to be mindful of? Yeah. So, um, uh, li like you said. Um, uh, 
I, I think it's a neutral. I think it, be, it can be used good or bad. However, the way that it's designed is it's designed to be a drug. Social media is a drug. Anytime that you have a dopamine hit that is coming in um, and they're designed, social media and Amazon and everything, you have to understand it's driven by advertising. Advertising's not new. The ability to manipulate way easier is what's new, okay? But it's designed around the concept of slot machines in Vegas, right? The idea is that when you walk into a casino, you're supposed to hear certain sounds and it's supposed to generate certain feelings. Oh, somebody's winning over there. Maybe I can win. Oh, there's this idea that they're hitting the button. Oh, something else went exciting. Oh, it's getting my attention. That machine just made a noise and it draws me over there. So people will walk into Vegas and many of them will recognize I'm being manipulated. Yeah. And I am being, I'm in my drug environment. The problem mm-hmm. is not a lot of people understanding social media is designed the exact same way. Right. And once again, no one's forcing you to be on social media. You choose to go on social media. The idea is that you just need to know you're getting played. Right. Yeah. And so when you have any type of drug, there's a problem of addiction. And the danger of addiction is it separates you from more important things. And so if we're going to talk about concerns or challenges, one of the first things is that is that it separates you from valuable pieces. Now, it, it also connects you. This is where, I, once again, I want to cause both sides. There have been yeah. reconnections on Facebook of people that haven't seen each other in a long time. There have been the ability. We use Facebook at the church as a connection tool for yeah. uh, missional communities and all this other stuff. It is a beautiful resource to connect people. While that's happening, you're getting played. That yeah. That's what I'm really trying to say. So I, I think that um, as far as challenges, the first one for me is the addiction element to it and the separation of good. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's I, I, I completely agree that, that that's an important one. I, and I think one that I would add to that is and I mentioned this a minute ago is is the sense of passivity that it that it encourages and and it's it's common i I think for us to look at younger generations and certainly technology addiction in in younger generations is a challenge and it's been a challenge with many earlier technologies right uh this is not a new thing you know just with facebook that that's been a a challenge for 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 a long long time however it's very very important it's very very important to uh it's very important to recognize that this is not just a problem for younger generations that this is actually that there's all sorts of research out there that sorry i'm sitting here trying to talk and i've somehow activated siri on my laptop i'm trying to quiet her down here <laughs> i'm like trying to concentrate and i got this anyway whatever we're back that's so uh, creepy by the way yeah here we are social media things being watched tech and siri quiet down Here's okay. Back on my train. Back on my train of thought. Here, uh, there is tons of research out there showing that showing the level of frustration that kids have with their parents' technology addiction. Right? Uh, there is tons of evidence out there, and and certainly plentiful anecdotal evidence to show the extent to which older, you know, people my parents' age and beyond have been uh radicalized by now they're just living in these sort of social media sinkholes where they're being just fed uh fake news and they're fed divisive and inflammatory content and now what you've got is you've got you know older adults who are investing these later years of their lives not in passing on wisdom but in forwarding 
God knows what, literally, in terms of, you know, fake and inflammatory information. And I think that's really unfortunate. And I think from a from a Christian perspective, and especially as someone who I still like to live in the the delusion that I'm still, you know, young or youngish, uh, I think the the collective wisdom that is potentially lost amongst older adults who, you know, time spent engaging in community, time spent wrestling through real challenging issues, time spent reading, time spent just growing, time spent investing in younger generations is instead spent in this sort of social media echo chamber, weird place. Like that to me is a, is a real bummer. And I, and I think we're making a big mistake if all we talk about is tech addiction amongst teenagers. Cause I think there's a problem with it amongst older adults as well. So uh, kind of the passivity angle plus the, the loss of wisdom, I think is as for faith communities in particular is, is a real, a real challenge. Uh, what, what are some other ones yeah, or even a response to that? Yeah, no, no, no. Um, I think a little bit later we'll get into some of the, the, the national concerns of the polarization and, and, and radicalization and all that stuff. We, we might touch on that a little bit later. And, um, I, I do agree with you. This is an issue that all age groups need to be concerned about. We always do that. Oh, the kids, the kids, the kids. Yeah. Um, we're all in it. But I do yeah. want to highlight something about the children that is going on that's that's very powerful and scary. Yeah. Um, I was sharing a little bit with Pastor Brian that when I saw the movie, it sparked an idea in my head. So here's the idea that when I was growing up, there was child stars, right? All of us, we had child stars growing up and we would watch them just blow themselves up. And it was, you know, I remember Todd Bridges from different strokes back in the day. And then it was Dana Plato from the same show and they, they're, they're off into drugs. And, and you start watching all these kids, you know, whether they're from the Brady Bunch or from this or that, and they're blowing up more recently. We watched Britney Spears grow up in limelight and she got, you know, it takes something from a Mickey Mouse show to, to, you know, a totally different lifestyle. And so we've watched all these kids grow up in the limelight and become distorted. And it was basically like watching a train wreck. That is what all of our children have now been exposed to. And the reason why is what caused those meltdowns was they're trying to grow up, but they had thousands and thousands of eyes on them pouring in and telling them what to think and how to shape their image. It was telling them how to grow up by social grouping. Well, the problem with that is everybody on the outside was looking for entertainment purposes, not what was best for the child. Now, when our kids get on social media, they have thousands of eyes commenting on how they look, which obviously reinforces the body image problem for females. It starts reinforcing, I think you should do this, you need to wear this, when you're sexy, I'll give you more attention if you do. All that distortion that we've seen with celebrities is now in the average ordinary home. Yeah. And that's allowing a lot of our children to get train wrecked on the way. Yeah. And yes, you're, you're absolutely correct about that. It is sort of funny how the extent to which social media allows for all of us to have public lives, essentially, whereas in yes. prior generations, that was that was limited to a select few in society that... 30 years ago, none of us were thinking about, oh, I need to take a picture of this so I can post it on Instagram. It was just, you just live your life, right? And and I don't mean to be Pollyanna about it and say there weren't, you know, challenges back then that we all that you know we all dealt with. But the extent to which now, especially, you're right, I think kids who in developmental stages, you know, prefrontal cortex not not totally there and all that, that now you're right, they've got these 
these kind of feedback loops operating constantly, especially online, where uh, I don't know if you know this, people can sometimes not be very nice online, uh, or so I've heard. Yeah, yeah, and a novel idea, I know. Uh, you're right. I think that, that that brings with it a, a considerable number of challenges, and, and certainly parents would be would be wise to be be careful of that. And I'll tell you, it's even interesting. My you know my kids are nine and seven, and they don't have social media accounts or or anything, but they do have. They have messenger kit, Facebook messenger kids accounts that they use to communicate with their friends. And then it's all like parent supervised. So my phone is blowing up a hundred times a day because every time they get a message, I get a message. And I'm like, okay, I know I should be supervising this, but like enough, right? Uh, and like, we use it, like I'll use it, you know, like Matt, like uh, my son, my sons and I will, will text each other when I'm at work and whatever. And it's fun. Like, it's cool. Like, I like it. I think overall it's, it's great. But, but my wife and I, we've already noticed how much now the kids want to always know, can I check messenger? Anytime there's a ding, it's like, stop everything. What's going on? It's, it's, we see the sadness in them when they try to call their friends and they're not available. And it's just like, man, like, I, again, I, I think it's a net positive, but boy, it's hard, like, Vegas. yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally. It is. It's the like, Hey, am I going to, is the slot machine going to come up, you know, sevens or whatever. I don't know. I don't play yeah. slots. <laughs> is that going to come up, come up right, you know, today it's, it, it's pretty crazy. Now, um, one other element and then, then we'll move on is, is I've, I've wrestled with this for, I remember wrestling with this when I first got my very first smartphone is kind of the extent to which, uh, social media and access to, to all of this information really makes things like solitude very difficult. Uh, I just I just read a book called Digital Minimalism by a guy named Cal Newport, and he's not a believer, but he he had some really interesting thoughts on the role of kind of just digital stuff in our lives. And, and he said that it's he just was talking about how it's now possible to completely banish solitude from your life. And and I'm not sure that's a good thing. And, and I certainly man, I'll, I'll be the first to admit like, I have to stand in line at Home Depot or whatever. And it's like, man, my phone comes out immediately. And it's yeah. like, it's funny how even in the last few months, I've tried to just develop the discipline of just standing there, you know, of just, okay, I don't need to, ch I don't need to have input constantly. I can just be. And, and it's, it's like, it's almost alarming to me how much discipline that takes to like, just simply brutal detach for a second. Yeah. Well, and in the in the film, they were even talking about the fact that we now have generations being raised with social media or technology as a pacifier. Now, every generation yeah. has different pacifiers. What ended up happening, like, for example, for one whole generation, smoking was really a pacifier. Um, and it was later on that they went, wait, the cost of the pacifier was too high. So the idea was anytime I'm stressed or whatever, I'm in a social environment, I can drink or I can smoke. That will allow mm -hmm. me to calm down. Well, nowadays it's, I'm going to pull out my phone. I can't wait in line. I have to look at something and that will calm me down. That's yeah. that drug effect to it. At one point we decided, okay, there's some people that should be able to choose cigarettes and then children can't. We've decided some things, alcohol is okay for some age groups, but not for other age groups because the cost of the pacifier was so high. So the question that's being raised in this film is the cost that's happening for the pacifier the cost right. happening for the tool, the cost that's happening. Um, one of the things that I think that we've talked about way before this ever came out and the dangers of the technology and everything is if you do pull it away from us, we don't quite know what to do. There's a scene in the movie that's faked, right? It's this dramatization where they pull all the phones away at, at the dinner table and the whole family has nothing to talk about. 
because they're all thinking about their phones or they're not quite sure how to interact. And kids already are a little bit awkward just in general trying to communicate with one another. Pull yeah. their phones away and stick them in a room and they have no idea what to do. They, they kind of freeze yeah. up, right? And so um, the, the thing for me is that is the – they own us in the sense that if you just told somebody, okay, you, everybody, get off social media. I'm going to tell you right now the cost is way too high to get right. off of it because here's right. the deal. You can't do your job. Your job is communicating to you. You can't be able to handle church. Right now, you would not have any access to this. Yeah. Uh, we, we have to change everything. If you're going to miss work stuff, friend stuff, opportunities, and all that stuff, it owns you, right? Yeah. And, and so much of it is good and healthy, and some of it, so much of it can go wrong. So once again, what you're not hearing us say is we have to get off social media. Right. We just need to be aware of the cost and make sure that it is limited and monitored in our lives and the lives of those that we love. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's uh, yeah. No, you're absolutely right about that. Now, one thing that you mentioned at the beginning, uh, Pastor Lance is just, is, is kind of a, a key thesis of the, of the film or a key idea is just the, 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 the whole social media uh, world is kind of is built off of greed. Now, on some level, that's just capitalism. It, 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 this it is. is these are not social services. It's a business. They're trying to make money. I don't think any of us have a problem with that. But uh, that, but a an excessive amount of attention on on greed obviously creates problems for individuals and for companies and for sort of ecosystems of companies. In the case of social media. What are some of the problems that come with the fact that so much of social media is now, as a business model, it's not based on connecting people as much as it's based on greed and delivering to, to advertisers? What are some of the problems with that? Yeah. So if you have a business that is built to make money, which most businesses are, when you have a system that is based on advertising, advertising works off manipulation. That's kind of how it works. So they're either selling you something that you need, that you think you need, or they're teaching you that you need. That's, that is not new. Once again, the only difference of today is that you can do it on a national level, on a mass scale, before you had to do it person to person or region by region. Uh, if you go all the way back to the snake oil salesman, right, the guys that would come through on their little buggies and their wagons that they'd set up, same exact thing was going on. They were selling a product and they were doing it by manipulation but they could only reach people they could talk to. Then all of a sudden you started having a bigger audience and a bigger audience. Well, now we can shape nations. Now the danger because of all this is that the systems work on algorithms. Algorithms are computer programmer programs that take in data and then spit out the most effective way to impact you. So it takes in what were you staring at? How long were you staring at it? What seems to be your interest? And this is all being done by computers. One of the faulty parts of this movie is in order to make that point, they dramatize it and make it look like they're personally watching you, that some individual is just staring at you, and that they're right. trying to write down everything you say. That is completely yeah. bogus. It is way more generalized, and it is massive amounts of data about massive amounts of people. Now, in yeah. order to zone in on you, the computer can say, out of your systems, I'm getting these readings, therefore I can do this. The challenge with that is that the algorithms were set up by a human being. 
that human being put a formula into the computer and said, I want you to find the best way to advertise. That means you have a brilliant computer program learning more about you every day on how to manipulate you to sell you. That is really the challenge. They started the program, but it's learning on its own. So they don't know where it's ultimately going to take us. But when you can do that on a national level and start shaping what people see and what they don't see, if you can start shaping what they're interested in and what they're not interested in, that is where this massive danger comes from. It is sending out stories that shape people's morality, but it is an amoral system. The algorithm does not know what truth versus fiction is. The algorithm does not know good versus bad. It's a computer program. It only knows what's effective. That is where we get into the danger of things like fake news. The algorithm will say this fake news source gets more of your attention than this real news source. So it will draw from that more often. Yeah, that is one of these big dangers, and yeah. so um, I don't I don't know where you wanted to go. So I'm going to pause there because I at some point I wanted to talk a little bit about um, how it ends up creating echo chambers and polarization and the Wikipedia concept and all that. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's get into that a little bit. I, I think that the the point you made here though is is critical, and I want to I want to reinforce that is is the idea that when the point is attention, because attention equals profit, then the yes. algorithm is not seeking to form us in any sort of morality. The algorithm is simply seeking to hold our attention. Now, I'm not saying that the existence of that algorithm is necessarily, like I'm not saying it's wrong of Facebook to create that algorithm. They're a company that is know. built to make money. It is what it is. But to recognize, as you just said, this is where, this is why fake news is so popular. Uh, there's the old quote that ironically is attributed to Mark Twain, even though he did not actually say it, that a lie can travel halfway around the world while the truth is tying its shoes, right? That, that, <laughs> yeah. that, this is, this is, that, that fake stuff is very, very popular. Uh, 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 inflammatory stuff obviously is popular. Um, that one of the guys in the film, Jaron Lanier, he has this quote. He says that social media is biased, not to the left, to the right, but downward. That right, that like basically social media is constantly feeding us all of this like least common denominator, like activate your brain as like minimally as possible to get the biggest reaction. Uh, and, and that is not, uh, and the type of content that does that is not typically thoughtful or particularly deep or nuanced. It's just very inflammatory. And, and that's where a lot of this polarization comes from is because that's the type of content that if we're not really critically engaging with what we're seeing, that's what's going to produce all of these different reactions. So what the algorithm is doing is it's sim- simply seeking, okay, what is holding our attention the longest? And what tends to hold our attention the longest is something that's going to make us angry, something that's going to make us afraid, something that's going to make us uh, just really have these strong emotional reactions. And, and unfortunately, a lot of that is fake. A lot of that is highly, you know, polarizing. So, so then let's, let's just get into that a little bit more. Uh, How does that then create Kind of, you know, we we see it. We all live in the we we live in the real world here. We see the divisiveness. We see the anger. We see the echo chambers and in, in the division. How does all of this that we're talking about in terms of social media contribute to all of that? Yeah. So what ends up happening is, and and make no mistake, when they design these companies, their design to get users was designed on examining psychology. 
Yeah. Uh, they did a ton of studies and they have whole divisions about studying you to know you more than you know you. That means they're working on triggers, they're working on dysfunction, they're working on designing rabbit holes on purpose to keep you sucked into it. That That's all part of advertising. It's part of, it's what magazines are and TV are and all those different things. So once again, that's not new. But what ends up happening is that it ends up taking things. I don't know if you've ever been in a, reading a magazine and all of a sudden you started noticing it was kind of pushing a product and you look up and the top banner on the top says ad section, but it looks just like the rest of the magazine. Now that is a yeah. sneaky way of putting it in and making it look like news, but it was actually an advertisement. Now, yeah. so once again, not new, but here's what is so amazingly scary about the way things are designed today. And it's because of our usage of it, right? Here's what happened. So the guy used a perfect example. He said, everybody knows Wikipedia. It's an online encyclopedia that everybody kind of gets a chance to look at and put stuff in there and try to correct each other. And they're trying to work off. Now, Wikipedia has its own challenges, right? Um, there's a lot of issues about it. Don't use it for your college papers. They won't accept it. But anyway, um, he said, imagine a world where Wikipedia or an online encyclopedia gave everyone a different definition of the same word. He yeah. said, so for example, this customization is designed to give you what you want to see, not what's true. So if you're in a certain part of the country and you, he said, for example, Google climate change, the things that pop up first for you will say climate change is destroying the world. If you are Googling in a different location, it will pop up and say climate change is a hoax. In other words, it then, whatever you put into it, it takes that information and says, you want to see more of this. So if you show any leaning anyway, whether intentionally or unintentionally, it will start sending you back facts or stories that back up your side. Yeah. What that does, it creates polarization because you can see so many stories after stories after stories of experts telling you what you believe. Then you look at somebody across the aisle or withholding the picket sign and you said, what a moron. How can they believe that with all the facts that are on my side? And what you don't realize is you're seeing completely different set of facts. You're seeing a completely different set of experts. You're seeing a completely different set of stories based on your search history. Yeah. That is creating a separate reality for every individual and you always feel justified and right. Once again, the danger of all that is it was not created to bless society. It was created to make money. Yeah. And so really the fruition of that. And we saw that when you put something in there, you can create a massive distortion wave. Yeah. Facebook ended up going uh, and having to testify and all that stuff over the 2016 election issues of Russia. And people were like, yeah. Russia hacked Facebook and Russia did that. Hold up. Russia <laughs> just used Facebook for what Facebook is designed for. There was no hacking yeah. going on. They were just yeah. able to use it as an advertiser. That was yeah. it. Yeah. Nefariously, yeah. yes. Right. But yeah. they didn't hack anything. Yeah, it wasn't some sophisticated operation where they got inside the code or manipulated something beyond. Uh, and now they used it, I would say, for not its intended purpose, but no. it was not sophisticated. But this, in that regard. Yes. And 
Well, and that's what, man, that, gosh, now, see, now I'm just spinning because this, this just raises so many different questions for me, right? It's like, okay, you talk about this idea that, yes, you're going to be fed different information depending on where you live in the country or how, what you've shown your views to be like based on your other, your other behavior. And, and that just, man, I have such a hard time with that because it's, you know, we talk about even simple things like, okay, what's true and what's not. And there's a lot of gray area in a lot of different things. Like I understand there are a million issues in our world that are not simply black and white. Uh, however, there are a lot of issues that kind of are like that are either true or they're not. And, and on some level, my feelings about whether or not something is true uh, really doesn't change the fact that it's either true or it's not. So, I mean, you know, we we live in this weird world of again. You've got fake news. You've got people that that go on television talking about alternative facts. You've got all of this stuff that that happens, and and even in questions about okay, even the role of say Facebook and Twitter and these different companies in okay, what is their responsibility in removing fake content or things that are not true? It's interesting. I get in conversations about this, or even I've posted on Facebook about like, man, I think it's a good thing that that they're getting involved in trying to filter out fake stuff. But the pushback I always get is, well, how do we decide what's fake? And it's like, well, okay, on some level, I realize we can go too far in calling things fake that are maybe. A minority view or 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 the kind of the jury's still out or maybe it's complicated or maybe it's misleading but not outright false but man the extent to which a lot of our sort of social media echo chambers will will get us to a place where we're not even really able to engage with okay is this actually true and instead we're just looking to confirm our own beliefs and we've got content being fed to us to confirm those beliefs Gosh, I, I, yeah, I don't know, man. I just don't even know what to do with that. It, it really, I think it makes it difficult because what it does, and, and then I'll, I'll have you jump in here, is, is when we're getting these different definitions of truth, yes. it makes conversation and, 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 and really, I would say social progress really difficult, right? Yes. Yes, it's almost impossible because you're operating off a different set of facts. Yeah. If, for example, you're, you had an orange and we were going to discuss an orange, but your orange was red. Yeah. You would use that out as your definition of orange. I would be talking about a totally different thing. You, yeah. You've just now distorted the entire reality. So now you have in our society, and the reason why this is so important to me, and this is the biggest part of the movie for me, and why I think everybody should watch it because of uh, just everyone understanding what's happening. I'm not telling you yeah. what to think, but what's happening yeah. is that you can find out whether or not it's the issue of do you wear face coverings or don't wear face coverings? What's going on with coronavirus? Literally, it will put you into a world, no matter what side you're on, where you are absolutely convinced and told everyone else agrees with you that's smart. Same thing with vaccines or non-vaccines. Same thing with political issues. Same thing, with, and it goes on and on and on and on and on. It's, it's telling you. Now, the other problem is that even if Facebook suddenly got a conscience, Here's the challenge. The algorithms have trillions of news feeds and they're not designed to determine right from wrong, good from bad, accurate from inaccurate. It's just designed for attention. So it can't sort it either. There's too much data passing through their channels for them to filter and sift. So the responsibility is for them to do their best, but ultimately the responsibility is on us to filter and sort and sift our information. 
you could be in a land full of liars and you're still held accountable by God to discern truth and wisdom. Does that make sense? So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you have another, do you want to finish that thought or I have, a, I, have a, I, have a, I have a question sort of off of that or did you want no, to finish? No, 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 no. Please okay. go because, yeah, okay. my mind keeps exploding. <laughs> yeah, 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 me too. Uh, okay. So, all right. So, so. Uh, so, so let's. I guess there's a little bit of a, of a of a gear shift here, but it's building off of what what you what you said. Um, we're Christians, yes. And social media engagement for for people of faith. What are some ideas? And as I'm, these words are coming out of my mouth. This feels like more of a left turn now, which I don't really intend it to be necessarily. What do we as people of faith need to be, I think, especially aware of when it comes to our engagement with these online platforms? Because, OK, so here, here's the connection is you talk about the idea of, OK, yes, fa- there are things Facebook can do. And in fairness to them, there are things they are doing to combat you know, fake news yes. and, and misinformation and, and things like that. But but ultimately, we cannot allow the the responsibility to fall entirely on them, that we have to bring something to the table as well to kind of not be duped by a lot of this. But can we just talk through some principles for people of faith in our engagement with social media that just can be helpful or or things we can keep in mind to try to maybe leverage some of the benefits? Because, you know, here we are, we're talking about all these dangers. Like, again, social media has tons of benefits. Leverage the benefits while avoiding some of the, the pitfalls. Yeah, so the the first principle is understanding what it's built for. If you understand what it's built for, you can then adjust your filter appropriately, right? So if, for example, I said, hey, let's play football, you would realize that the football was designed to be thrown and caught, not to throw at somebody's face when they're not looking. That's called a weapon, (laughs) right? (laughs) So just look at what it was designed for. It's designed as an advertising tool. Now, along the way, it was also designed for connective purposes. So you use it for the good reasons and you filter out the bad reasons. So that could be as simple as that. But as Christians, the number one principle we need to understand is where are you getting your truth from? And what I mean by that is who's the one that decides who you are becoming? If the primary Mm -hmm. voice is God through his word, through his revelation, through his intimacy and connection with you, is the one shaping and developing you, and that is the most primary, then peer pressure has less of an effect. If you're older and you're trying to understand all this stuff, we've always dealt with this. It's called peer pressure. How have you dealt with peer pressure? You say, well, when I was growing up, I can't just do everything my friends do. I can't let my friends tell me everything. I have to go back to the word and back to understanding that God gets to tell me what is right and wrong, what's important, what's not important. And as we are being shaped by God, then we can use things as tools for how they're supposed to be. But if we are trying to take our and build our morality, build our identity off the easiest methods and just letting what comes through our media to shape us, that is where we are in extraordinary trouble because it was not designed with a Christian worldview and it was not designed for your best interest. That's kind of the point. What do you yeah. do? You have any that you would add to that? That are pretty yeah, I think that. Yeah, I think that's that's really well said. And and I and I think you know with that to 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 recognize the formative nature of social media that right. I've I've said in in sermons and a million different different avenues that 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 our lives are in so many ways the product of our influences, right? Um, I so I for example I don't tweet 
I have a Twitter account. I have not tweeted in several years uh, and I don't really want to tweet. However, for I go through seasons where I will sort of I'll engage with Twitter just to see what's out there. Uh, and, and I have my people that I follow and everything else. And I've just generally found it's not great for my mental health. <laughs> it's just, and, and this is with, I, I'm pretty selective about who I follow and I get, I get spun up about stuff going on in the world and everything else. And, and I'm like, I just don't, I, the, 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 the Brian, forgive me for referring to myself in the third person, the Brian that is created from time on Twitter is just not the Brian that his wife and children and other people need frankly. So, uh, so I think just to recognize the formative influence of those things. And then I think also, um, you know, we've, we've, we've hit the angle of, we've hit the angle of, of how do we engage with what we're consuming? But I think we also need to be very careful, especially, man, we're, we're in election season right now, the content we're creating, which I'll just, <laughs> this is funny to me is, you know, we, we pastors are a funny group of people, but I have seen so much stuff online recently from everyone ranging from, small church pastors to pastors and speakers with international audiences. And if I can just interpret what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing is a, is a bunch of pastors really freaking out because their people are being jerks online. And that is really a problem, right? And we see it at Bridgeway too. Like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like we're, oh, yeah. we're separate from all of this. And and of course, you know, pastors can't talk about politics because people are just going to, you know, freak out. So they can't, they have to be sort of, they have to kind of speak in code, which is sort of funny. But, you know, you hear all this talk about, man, am I, am I, am I making points in a way that's kind? Am I being gracious? Am I being, am I showing that I understand people that think differently than me? And, and man, I just, gosh, how many people in the course of my life as a Christian have just shredded their witness in the world because they post the meanest, angriest stuff on the internet. And, and what you just got to understand, I don't, I realize I'm probably not going to change anyone's mind with this comment, but you also need to recognize like if someone's not a Trump person now, like your inflammatory Trump post ain't going to change their mind. Like it's just not going to happen. Right. Or if you think Trump is the devil, like your Trump is the devil post, that's not changing anyone's mind. All it's doing is alienating people. So that's all that's going on. Like this sort of, you know, and I use Trump as an example because he's obviously a very polarizing figure. But when we try to use social media thinking that we're going to we're going to change people's minds and man, they just got to know the truth and da, da 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 like okay, aggressive sharing of our opinions is not a fruit of the spirit, <laughs> I would argue, but but kindness and gentleness are. So so I think um it's important it's important to recognize that when we're very aggressive about the things we share online and, and I say this as someone who I think has probably gotten a little aggressive at times in, in my my past when we're aggressive all it does is alienate people it only hurts people so I think we just have to be very very careful with the way that we use steward this responsibility we now have of all having the ability to have a public voice so I think that's just that's a big one and certainly people all over. Like I said, I'm seeing this pastors all over the world are, are struggling with, okay, how do we help people, Christians especially, be kinder online? So that's a, yeah. that's a big uh, one. If I, could, if I could just use one word just for everyone to kind of memorize um, when, they, when they engage with social media in mass, and that is the word winsome. Um, that's if good. You can just, if you can just memorize that one word, I'm not telling you to stuff your feelings. I'm not telling you to not share your thoughts or your opinions. 
but if you could put it through the filter of winsomeness, yeah, it will go much further and it will not do damage on the way. And yeah. if later on you find out you're wrong and you have to go back and backtrack, people will not be bitter. You yeah. will not be wounded. You will not have burned bridges or, or devastation. You will actually yeah. have joy. So yeah. I, I would yeah. encourage that. Um, just one other thing. I, I think that um, just to give you an idea a little bit more about how it is shaping your worldview and your morality is I want to go back to make it practical again. So it's selecting what stories you see. And you are determining your worldview based on the facts that you are given. So, for example, if you went out, if you went outside and you saw a bunch of birds dead on the ground, you would have, oh no, something's happening with the birds. You then try to make sense of what's going on with the birds. So you check on social media. It will pick out and create a storyline that helps you define what happened with the birds. Yeah. That will be a completely separate story than someone else is receiving about the birds. And one of them may be, if you have ever uh, highlighted something about conspiracy theories, if any way you are su susceptible to that, according to their algorithm, they will say, do you see the calm trails going across the sky from the <laughs> planes? Some planes have it, some planes don't. Do you realize they're dropping stuff on you and they're controlling your mind? That stuff is killing the birds. Now, I just literally made that up. Then all of a sudden, someone's like, oh my gosh. We're in danger. And then we forward that on and it becomes a thing. Yeah. Well, one of the prime examples that happened recently was there was a big rash of people uh, that the movie highlighted out that were really promoting a flat earth theory. Now, I can tell you right now, the fact that we can see the moon and the sun and the stars, the fact that we have telescopes that show us that everything's a ball around us, the fact that you can measure and realize that the horizon goes down at a grade. The whole purpose of navigation, the whole idea that you sent a ship one direction and he went all the way around the little ball and he came back the other side. The amount of practical information that demonstrates that the world isn't flat did not stop a massive movement of flat earth theory re-rising up. Yeah. And it was just created to stimulate something. And so... What happens is when we buy into that and it's entertainment to us, for us, it might be entertainment to somebody else. It might be their truth. And yeah. so we have to be careful that we are not purveyors of the manipulation. And so it's yeah. very important that we're careful on what we forward or what we put forward, stuff like that. Yeah. Anyway, just had to yeah. make that and, point. And, and so, so much of this so much of this comes back to to our own hearts right and our yes. own ability to to engage appropriately i mean i had i mean I, I teach over at jessup and somebody asked me a question in my last class session which i've been asked this question many times is uh so so where do you get your news you know yes and and i'm always hesitant to ask that question because or sorry to, i i like i love that question i think it's a great question but i'm always hesitant to answer it because number one I think people will make assumptions about my political views based on where I get my news, which is crazy, but whatever. That's just the world we live in. Uh, number two, 
I don't think there's a news source on the planet that a person with a wicked heart can go to and just be like, oh, well, this is going to set you straight. Like, I just don't think that works. And 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 similarly, if we're not willing to read with sort of a critical mind that, that yes. challenges our own bias, like there's just I don't know where to send the person that's not willing to really do that, that work. Yes. Right. And, and I think that that's where the, the challenge of social media lies is that. Can it be used in a, in a beneficial manner? Of, of course it can. Yes. But but at the end of the day, we have to examine our own hearts and say, okay, what do I care more about? Telling the truth or defending my side? What do I care more about? Being kind or making a point? What do, what do I care more about? Thinking critically or just, uh, you know, kind of causing problems by raising inflammatory stuff? These are questions that we cannot rely on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and TikTok to answer those questions for us. We have to be formed in those ways ourselves. We have to be formed in that way by the spirit of God and by God's word and by community and all of those things. And if we're going to be healthy online, we have to be able to bring those things to the table. And if we can't, man, I, I don't know what Facebook's supposed to do to stop, to stop us right. from being really unhealthy, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think in answer, because I get that question a lot, too. And I've used your, you know, your analogy in the past where you said, um, if it's true news source, you're probably gonna have to pay for it. Mm -hmm. um, and you were using it under the premise that somebody's paying their bills. And if they're using it for advertising, and, or if they're using it in a way that it's entertainment, it's going to skew the results. So I mean, if yeah. you really want the answer to that question, here, here's your answer. And you're going to go, well, I don't want to do that. It's too much work. I understand. But here's your answer. <laughs> yeah. If, if, yeah. if the issue matters, you have to find a new source that is interested in journalism. Right. Now, how you do that, that's your own business. You have to go right. dig it out and figure out who really cares about journalism. And that's a lot of work. So most people don't right. want to do that. So yeah. your shortcut is you have to realize how they're making their money. And you probably end up having to pay for it. All right. Yeah. opposite news sources so that you can tell two different sides. Like if you look at my phone, I have a whole bunch of conservative and a whole bunch of liberal news apps. So that if I have to search out something, I, I before I go to the great um, uh, people that are interested in journalism, I look at a, a story from multiple sides all the way around it. Then I go into my, do my research. So those are just little cheat sheets, but I have, I have two issues as we close out that I wanted to talk about real fast. Yeah. Cool. Um, and the first one is what are the implications of what's going on? Um, and was it intended? And then the last one is what do we do about it? Yeah. Okay. So if you have something else, by all means, no, that's great. But, but here's what I was talking a little bit with pastor Brian before we started the program. Um, the best analogy for what happens with social media, in my opinion, is likened to the light bulb, the development of the light bulb. The light bulb was developed because it was fascinating to make it. When they realized they could do it, they weren't not gonna do it. It's just, I mean, that's something about progressing as a society and people wanting new stuff. And oh my goodness, do you see what this could do? And the light bulb was intended to be something that would be useful and helpful. It would help people in the dark. It had so many beautiful reasons. In my opinion, that's how social media started. It went, wow, I want to make this because I can. And this is so yeah. fun and so crazy. I love this. And then, oh my gosh, it could be helpful for this and this and this. And it was a tool. Now, nobody's ever going to say the light bulb was bad. But do you understand the implications of the light bulb? 
what it did is it's changed the natural rhythms that God had built in and it allowed us to have light when it should have been dark. What yeah. that means is instead of fire, we now had something safer that we could illuminate the night and now it extended work hours. Now it launched the industrial revolution. Now it began to create workaholics to where people would start avoiding their families. Then it started creating the ability that you could make more money by having more greed, by, by staying up longer and running your factory all night long. And it goes on and on and on. Nobody ever wants to go back to a no light bulb world. Right. There are just ramifications of new realizations in technology. Yeah. That's really the heart of, but we just have to handle it right. We yep, now great know at some point you need to turn your light off. At some point <laughs> yeah. you need to be with your family. That's all, yeah. that's all we're saying. Okay. Yeah. And then the last thing that I would touch on is what do we do about it? And this was intriguing because one of the things that Pastor Brian does when we prepare this message is a lot of times he'll go out and search articles that are arguing with whatever we're dealing with and he'll send them in. And so we were looking at some of those. So when this movie came out, the social dilemma came out, you better believe Facebook had a response. <laughs> I mean, they just fired back. They're like, here's yeah. seven things <laughs> that it totally lied about, blah, blah, blah. And, and it was, they were interesting to read. Yeah. Um, and once again, Yes, it was a biased film. Yes, it was a bunch of people that are saying, now we need to be humane in this. Yes, people had an angle. Yes, it was exaggerated. Yes, it made it look like everything was individual and people were behind the screen manipulating. Okay, Facebook was right about all those things. But here's what was intriguing to me. A bunch of Facebook's responses were, hey, after we got busted, things where it was saying, uh, well, we've been busted and we've done so good on this. Here's yeah. the point. The regulation demanded a healthier model. Yeah. So if we're going to talk about what needs to happen in mass to protect people from the bad guys, it's going to be regulation. You go, but I hate regulation. Regulation is strangling and it's anti-capitalistic and it's holding me back and we should be able to make money if we can do it and blah, blah, blah. But one of the beautiful things that was pointed out by this movie is there's always been things that are regulated. Yeah. We are no longer allowed to traffic in people. We cannot traffic in organs. As I shared earlier, we can't use smoking the same way we did before because the cost was too high. We have always legislated and regulated bad behavior for safety. Right. In the same way, even the best intentions of Facebook still need to regulate the bad guys. Yeah. So that was that was yeah. kind of the thing I wanted to make sure. Yeah, well, and I think that opens a whole other can of worms of of to what extent should it be regulated. Right. But I, I think that your your point is well taken. That uh, it is it is funny to me that we we look at the idea of social media censorship or regulation or, or things like that, where uh, uh, where now we're all freaking out like, oh my gosh, they shouldn't be doing this. And it's like, yeah, like you said, on some point, we've always been regulated. Uh, this is how society works. Like you have to wear pants when you go outside. Like that is a regulation, right? Uh, you have to drive a certain speed on the on the fruit. Like you know, this is it's just in the in the information economy and in the digital age, it's uh, it's just it's different. And there are situations where uh, there are there are gray areas. And when yeah. we bring our own biases and our own perspectives into these gray areas, it then creates all sorts of problems. Like it's, it's sort of, it's ironic to me that like, so right now, for example, and then I'm going to share this anecdote and then we'll last question about like, okay, kind of a little bit of the personal, what do we do about this? 
there's this big brouhaha right now over this New York Post story about Hunter Biden. And the New York Post is a tabloid magazine, first of all. So this is not exactly a like hard news, like they're really going to get it. You know, they had multiple. And I'm listen, just the facts here. Like what I think about Hunter Biden is completely irrelevant to my analysis of this story. Um, They had journalists from their company say, we don't want our names on this story. It's not legit. It's not, it's, it's got so many holes in it. Um, the story is just, it's completely full of holes. Uh, is it fake news? I wouldn't go so far as to say it is fake news, but it does not meet the journalistic standards of a proper, uh, of a proper legitimate publication. I will I will say that with absolute confidence. So Twitter and Facebook started restricting its distribution. You've probably heard about this. Well, now all of these people who are guided very much by man, it's election season and I'm conservative and we just, anything that's going to bring down the Bidens, we need to get it out there, are like raising all of this hay over, oh my gosh, this was censorship. And here's the thing, the story's garbage, but did Facebook and Twitter overstep their bounds in censoring the story? I don't know. I think you can make an argument. Maybe that, that maybe they have. Um, So it is just sort of interesting how, okay, yeah, we need to regulate, but how much? I mean, I don't know. I think that story is a, and so I'm not necessarily defending Twitter and Facebook for downplaying a story that was not up to legit journalistic standards, but I am saying, I think it just serves to show us that regulation is important, but man, is it messy. (laughs) It is really, really messy. I think what makes it uh, messy immediately is the idea of when you have a billion stories, you have to start somewhere. Why are you starting where you're starting? Yes. And if you, and exactly. if you pulled the Biden one, how come you didn't pull the one about lollipops? Yep. And yeah. and because you always have to sift and sort. When you have a trillion yep. news feeds, what are you going to do? Yep. And so, or a dubious every, a dubious story about someone in the Trump family, which I'm sure you know. I'm I'm sure there are plenty absolutely. of bogus stories like that out there, right? Yeah. And if and you're gonna, so those are all yeah. based on um, priority. They're all based on uh, values, and they're trying. Yep. To, so, how do you do that? That's the stickiness for another day, and that's something that Facebook. Yeah. But I think, I think understanding and appreciating, and I do think that Facebook is in a place right now in a posture of appreciating the significance and the danger, and they're now yeah. doing their best to try to work back the other direction. Now, yeah. is the gorilla out of the cage? Yes. <laughs> do we have a problem getting him back in the cage? Yes. Do we ever get yeah. him back? No. But yeah. they're doing some wonderful steps to try to get us into a healthier place. Yeah, no, that's good. All right, we're already over our hour, but last question. Uh, Let's just get very personal here. Now, the irony of us spending all this time talking about this is I think that you and I both spend less time actually on like consuming social media than most folks, I think you especially. Uh, So maybe we're in some ways, like not like the best people to be having this conversation, but uh, that's why you don't mention that till the very end. But what are just, just real briefly and personally, principles that that you apply in your own life to to kind of just make sure that social media in 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 your world is, isn't getting out of control um so first of all just to to highlight what brian was talking about um i i don't go on social media um i post on social media i do not go on and i only read my own streams like i don't <laughs> read anyone else's and 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 people ask me, why don't you do that? And I said, it's the same reason why uh, people that work at Baskin Robbins aren't addicted to ice cream. 
it's the same reason why real doctors don't watch Grey's Anatomy. Um, <laughs> it's because I do so much with people all the time, and I'm so bombarded with it, I don't need more access. So to me, social media doesn't have the same attraction because I don't have to, I don't have the challenge of isolation. Okay. So, but for me, where I have to watch it is news sources where I love stories. So for me, everything about me is controlling my story narrative. It's not about people's lives. It's about story narrative. So for me, it's news sources. It's yeah. what are the little clips that shoot up? What's the alert from Yahoo Sports? What's the, all those things, they all go down rabbit holes. And I have to make sure that I control what rabbit holes I go down, how far I'm in there, what time does it take, and what is it creating in my mind? What yeah. world is it building? That is yeah. my biggest concern and my biggest warning for you. Man, well, that's, that is that is a great question. What what world is this building? This content that I'm consuming, man, that's 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 just huge. Uh, that's that's super good. I lo I love that. My um <laughs> my my I'm on a crusade right now for myself personally to to make social media boring again. Uh, I I which I don't know if it ever was boring. But I am really trying to make my social media feeds as boring and uninteresting as possible so that I will spend less time on them. Uh, I've got, you know, newspapers I subscribe to so I can, I mean, online, of course, not, you know, not real. But uh, um, so, I, you know, if I can get my news elsewhere. I've unfollowed pretty much everybody except for some boring Facebook groups I'm in on Facebook just to really decrease the interest in going on Facebook. And then maybe the, probably the exception to that is Instagram where I'm like, I, I, but I do try to be very careful about, okay, am I following either people who I really want to know what's going on in their lives or a very limited selection of brands and public figures and, and things like that. But, uh, you know, nothing inflammatory, nothing partisan political, none of that stuff kind of ever. And I think just being very conscious um, of, yeah, of how that stuff has influenced me. And and for me, honestly, it I, I trust myself in terms of not falling for fake stuff. Although I was just sharing with my wife the other day that like, the algorithms are smarter than me, so I need to probably not be too confident in that. Um, so it's not as much about that element, but just the time element is just huge. Like no matter how rich or poor you are, you have the same amount of time. And time I give to social media is time I'm not giving to other things. And that's just where, man, I just want to be careful. So well, that's the big one. And I think I think your question, what world am I creating? And it's just that question of time, man. How am I? How am I spending the time that God has given me? Is good. So, all right. Well, hey, that's our that's our conversation about the social dilemma. Check it out on Netflix. It was really an interesting watch. It's not a perfect film. There's certainly plenty we could have talked about in terms of challenges or objections. And uh, if you need some object objections to it, Facebook has got them for you. So uh, they've got a document you can Google and find. But hey, thanks so much for for watching us. Have a have a great rest of your day, and we'll be back with you in two weeks with another episode. Of engage your culture and thanks solution and Brenton for taking the sound and the end the video and making us look good and sound good bye-bye thank you for listening to engaging culture a podcast by bridgeway christian church if you enjoyed the show please consider subscribing and leaving a review on itunes thank you so much for listening music is used under the creative commons license and is provided by dexter Britton.